I would like you to open your Bibles if you have them, and you probably should, or open your apps. We're going to be looking at Amos chapter 1, verse 1. And then uh, if you've got your finger there, you might want to flip over because I'm going to skip like six chapters. And we're going to deal also with uh, Amos chapter 7, verses 10 to 17. So Amos 1, 1 and Amos chapter 7, verses 10 to 17. The reason I'm doing this is because we're starting a new uh, a new prophet today. Uh, we've been going through a whole bunch of prophets. Whenever you get me in front of you, you know you're going to get a minor prophet. And we just finished our last minor prophet. And now we're into another minor prophet, namely Amos. And so at the beginning of this thing, we notice in chapter 1, verse 1, an introduction to this Amos guy. And it's going to be important. It's going to be a great character study. And I think a character study that's very important for us, especially as believers in the 21st century. I'll try to make my case for that as we go along here. So that's Amos 1.1 and Amos chapter 7, verses 10 to 17. I don't know if you've heard this I guess, um, advice people would give you. They say this fairly regularly, especially when you're, you, know, you get up to talk in front of a b- bunch of people like I'm doing right now. I don't know if you know this, but most people who stand up in front of people are very nervous. Uh, it's one of the greatest fears to do public speaking. And so they tell you to just be yourself. E- e- that sounds easy, doesn't it? Except like most really good advice, it's actually kind of difficult if you think about it a little bit. Just be yourself. And and there's two really big questions that come up in my head at that point. Because, you know, I'm one of these people that gets questions in my head all the time. And, you know, I don't usually say them. That's why I'm a very quiet person. I have these questions going through my head, and I, I know I probably shouldn't say them out loud, but who is this myself that you're talking about anyway? And wouldn't I just naturally be this myself if it's me? I mean, shouldn't I be? And, 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 and added to that, you know, sometimes I believe things, and I have believed things, that are cloud cuckoo land. Like, I've believed some pretty strange stuff in my life. I've done some pretty strange, I've acted some pretty strange ways in my life. Um, Again, uh, this is only going out over the internet and going to be recorded for all eternity, but (laughs) high school was really bad for me. And do you know why? Because I couldn't answer that question. I couldn't answer the question of who I was. So I kept inventing stuff. And I invented so many strange things that honestly weren't me. But because there's two things about identity, about the way we see ourselves that you need to think about. First of all, sometimes your identity, well, what you think your identity is isn't really your identity. It's just something that you've kind of enjoyed for a while, something that makes you feel good. And second of all, it can be manipulated. I don't know if you've noticed that. 
When you watch the news, when you, watch also, when you talk to your friends, when you're dealing with people, even, yes, while you're here at church, people around you can actually do things, say things, um, act in, in ways to try and manipulate the way you feel, the way you act, and as a result, manipulate the way you see yourself, your identity, this yourself that you're supposed to be. And it's at some level a good thing. I mean, the fact is, sometimes you can be wrong. Uh, I, I, I used to identify myself as a communist. I think communism is crazy and I don't think you should be one right now. But once I did, and I would have called that my identity. Once upon a time, I probably would have called myself an atheist. I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I think that that's incorrect, very incorrect, and probably dangerously so. I'm sure that there are people here who identify all sorts of different ways. Some people will identify by their religiosity. I follow these rules really well. That's who I am. Some people will identify by their job or their career, and then when they retire, they have nothing to live for. Or when they lose their job, they have nothing to live for, and so their identity kills them. I'd like to say that, that was, that's figurative, but it's actually literal in a lot of cases. There's a lot of uh, information if you want to read the medical journals on it. You see, the fact is your identity is very important, but it is honestly kind of hard to pin down, kind of hard to understand. And let's face it, the world has, recognizes the need for this, and so they give you even more advice. Tell me if you've heard this one. I need to find myself. I need to understand who I am. I need to look into myself and understand my feelings. And my feelings can't be wrong. Well, all of the prophets, Amos especially, is going to tell you that's not true. Yes, your feelings actually can be wrong. There's a, re- there's a simple reason for that. Your feelings actually are pretty fluid. Uh, I was talking to John Anderson a bunch of months ago about the different things that you can do with a soundboard. He's the guy on sound back there. Uh, and one of the things he talked about was the fact that if you bl- put, turn up the bass during certain songs, you can make people feel the spirit a little bit more. It's a psychological thing, and, and you know, it, it, it is a real thing. You need to be careful of these things. But there are ways of manipulating your feelings. If, some, if you say something to somebody who you respect, and they say, I'm insulted by that, I'm hurt by that, I, I, I need you, uh, you, you shouldn't say things like that, you're going to have a desire to change that over because you respect the other person. And most people, most people, I'm, I'm sure, I, I hope all of you people, like to have people, you know, happy with you. You don't like hurting people. And so if you hurt people, you want to be able to change your opinion. So if somebody says, I'm hurt, that's when you change your opinion. By the way, that's why in culture right now, everybody's offended. Because offense is a power. I can use it to change other people's viewpoints if they aren't grounded somewhere, if they don't know who they are. It's important. It's very important. And that's kind of, kind of the thing why we need to look at this kind of thing. It's especially important for Christians. Because as I just said to you, 
We can have our, our viewpoints, our ideas, who we say we are, manipulated by all sorts of things. The fact is, if you keep watching TV or if you doom scroll on Facebook or you watch way too much YouTube, the chances are really good you're going to fall into whatever thinking those things have. And it gets worse because the algorithms on those things are designed to reaffirm the things that you've liked in the past. It'll keep giving you the stuff that agrees with you. And before long, you become wholly convinced of something you weren't convinced of before because you've only seen the evidence that's been put before you. And I hate to break this to you, and if you've read your Bible, you know this already. The world doesn't want you to know Jesus. They just don't. I mean, Jesus actually said this kind of presciently, you know, him being God, it would probably be easy for him to be prescient. John 15, verses 18 to 21, if the world hates me, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word, the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all of these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. This is why Jesus has to say, at least in two of the gospels, that whoever loves family more than me is not worthy of me. Not that you shouldn't love your family, but there should be something that grounds your identity, your understanding of who you are. And honestly, hate to say this, but it shouldn't be your family. It should be the truth, specifically the truth of Jesus Christ. Hard words. But historically, and this is the good news, we have seen people who stand who managed to hold true to an identity, to an understanding of, who the, of what's important in the world, of what's important in their lives, in the face of insane persecution. We like to believe that we would be that person, you know, when we think of it, uh, when we think of it without you know, recognizing the history. I mean, standardly, if you talk to anybody on the street and that you ask them, if you were in Nazi Germany, you grew up in Nazi Germany, you, you wouldn't be a Nazi, would you? Well, unfortunately, psychologically speaking, if everybody around you agrees on the same things and tells you the same things, you are going to go that direction, usually. There is nothing so absolutely insane that a culture can't try to convince you of it as true. And yet, there are people who are able to stand in the midst of that and to change the world around them instead of to let the world change them. Not because they're powerful, not because they're particularly strong, but because they know where their identity lies. Amos was one such man. Now, remember who Amos is. We're looking through the minor prophets. The thing about the minor prophets is every one of these people is a prophet. That doesn't sound like a big thing because most of us don't know what a prophet is. Allow me to explain what a prophet is. A prophet, first of all, is someone 
who is called of God. Someone who God has worked in his life, in her life, in such a way that they're taken out from the world, they're convinced of the truth of what God would have them say, and they are put in a position of authority that way. Not authority in the sense of authority by a government fiat or anything, but authority in the sense that people start listening to them. In fact, in the case of Amos, he's not somebody you'd normally listen to. And yet, right now, as Steve prayed earlier, 3,000 years later, I'm going to tell you about this guy, Amos. Because God called him. But second, the second thing that, pro- that prophets do, this is going to be a hard thing that prophets do, uh, they, they break up the fallow ground of human hearts. And, I, and that's, that's an image I know. It's kind of abstract in thinking. I'm, I'm using it from actually Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. We, remember we did Hosea? It says in Hosea 10, 12, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. You see, When you have a false identity, when you have one of these other identities that you think are good and noble and acceptable and are helpful, whether it's beauty or strength or riches or intelligence or religiosity or your job or any number of things, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your children, your grandparents, you can have anything as your identity. And if you have a false one, one that's harmful, one that's difficult, you actually love it. It's actually the case, and we're actually predisposed to sin, if you want to go through the Bible, and sin itself can build identities too. And unfortunately, these identities kind of harden your heart. They kind of harden the ground that's there, and so it needs to be broken up. And what prophets do is they break it up. They show you why this is wrong, why this needs to be changed, why you need to have a different identity. And that's never popular. Never, ever popular. I mean, how many of you go, go through your day today and you were thinking, oh, you know, I'd really like to go to church this morning and I know Pastor, Pastor Steve Dawes preaching, so, you know, he's going to tell me something terrible about myself and I'm going to fe- feel bad about myself. That'll be great. I wonder if that's why, we, why the numbers are down a little bit today, actually. But that's the fact. Nobody actually wants to be told bad stuff. In fact, even if people... Couch it in the nicest terms. Somebody loves me immensely and tells me something I don't want to hear. I almost never react well. This is another reason why I probably should shut up sometimes when people are talking to me and listen. Because it's so easy to get mad. But that's something we all have. And prophets, by their calling, by their job, what God is calling them to do is to break up the fallow ground of their hardened hearts. So they are never, ever going to feel accepted by others. That doesn't happen. I I love the fact that sometimes today people say, I really want to be a prophet. It's like, no, you don't. 
you don't have a sweet clue what a prophet does if you want to be a prophet. Because prophets have a horrible job. And yet, and yet, guys like Amos, which is why we're going to be talking about him today, why we're going to be doing an, an examination of who he is, He's able to find joy in this. He's able to stand in the midst of some very tough opposition and to stand in such a way that the people of Israel are going to see the truth of who God is. Amos chapter one, verse one. The words of Amos, who was among the shepherds of Tekoa, when he, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Now let's go, slip down to another passage that talks about who Amos is as a person. Uh, this is, again, Amos chapter 7, verse 10 to 17. Then... Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words, for thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah, and eat bread there, and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore trees. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. Now, therefore, hear the words of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel, and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, your wife shall be a prostitute in the city, and your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword, and your land shall be divided up with a measuring line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land, and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. That's, that's not a normal dude. Get the situation here. Amos is from a place called Tekoa. Tekoa is in the southern kingdom of Judah. That's the place where Uzziah is king, as you can see here. Uzziah you might recognize from some other great hits of the Bible, like uh, Isaiah chapter 6, where you see in the year that King Uzziah died. So this is before Isaiah. But Uzziah was a powerful, powerful king. The southern kingdom at this point was at one of the many apexes of its power. The other guy is Jeroboam, the son of Joash. And this is the guy that Amos is speaking out against. For the first seven chapters, you'll see him say a lot of negative things about Jeroboam. Now, this is Jeroboam the second, the second guy named Jeroboam from the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom that split. So Amos is not from Israel. He's from Judah. They're different countries. And he went north to this country that is not his normal country, and he started to preach prophecies. And we'll find out that these prophecies are not light. Added to that, 
He said these things, notice that Amaziah, that the guy who he's talking to in verses 10 to 17 of chapter 7, is not a minor guy. He's a priest at Bethel. Now, if you want to know, Bethel is part of, uh, is the place where in, if you look about in 1 Kings 12, you'll see that they've used this as the center of the northern, northern tribe's religion at this point in history. So Amaziah is a prophet placed at Bethel to do the pagan sacrifices of, well, under 1 Kings 12, where he's not supposed to do them. He works for the king of the north. Jeroboam II, at this point, is very, very powerful. Amaziah is probably very, very powerful. And Amaziah says, go away, go to your home country. So this, he isn't in his home country. He's facing the greatest power in this country that he's living in. The, the, this guy, Amaziah, uh, I, watched the, I watched The Godfather on, on, uh, on Friday night. Amaziah gives him an offer he can't refuse. And because of who Amos is, his identity, and where he has placed his identity, instead of, you know, knuckling under to this offer he can't refuse, by the power of God, he refuses it. Not only refuses it, but reaffirms the prophecies he's had before this. You see, Amos is a different kind of guy. Amos is a guy who knows the Lord. You notice all the times that he said about, talked about the Lord. The Lord called me. The Lord said this. The Lord took me from this place and brought me to this place. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. He has value in the Lord. He knows where his identity lies. His identity lies in the Lord. Because he's called of God. Because he knows who God is, he's able to stand. Amos is called of God to prophecy. But as I said, by its nature, prophecy is going to be opposed. That's what prophets do. They tell you the stuff you don't want to hear. You need to hear, but you don't want to hear. They do the faithful friend thing from God. You know, if, if you want to you have a, a, an okay friend, find somebody who tells you everything you want to hear. If you want to find a great friend, find the one who will tell you the things that you need to hear, whether you'll like them or not. A friend who loves you is someone who loves you more than he loves your love for you. So, like, they won't care if, well, they'll, they'll care if you don't like them, but ultimately they desire your good so much that they tell you the truth. That is the friend that we have in God. That is the friend that Israel had in God. And Amos was being, doing the faithful friend thing for Israel. But he's very clear about God's call to him. You can look at that in verse 16. In verse 11 and 17, you can see that he is very outspoken. You can see that he understands who God is more than he understands what his value into the world is. He doesn't care about what the world thinks. 
And, and notice Amaziah even twists, th- twists his words. Uh, I, you won't know this yet, but you know, when I go back through ver- chapter 7, you'll find out that Amos didn't actually say that Jeroboam would die by the sword. He didn't. He just said that the family of uh, Jeroboam would be taken down by the sword. But Amaziah twists that so that he sounds even worse, so that he could be slandered before the king. And yet, Am- yet Amos stands and tells the truth even in the midst of this. And it's important to note that this isn't Amos saying, I'm really, really strong in my job, the job that God has given me. He is very strong in his job. He does follow through on his job that God has given him, but he's, he follows the, God, the job that God has given him because he knows who God is. You see, Amos finds his identity in the God he serves. As we'll learn through Amos' prophecies, and as we probably learned through the rest of the Bible, if you guys are reading the rest of the Bible, good book, by the way, you should read it a lot. God is powerful. God is good. God is just. Justice comes from him. God sees the situations you're in. By the way, that, that's going to be important for uh, our uh, for identity as well. Uh, a lot of times we want to actually have other people in this world who will understand and tell us that they, they grasp what's happening. I'm going to tell you right now, you already have someone in your life who understands you better than you understand you. You already have someone in your life who loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And that's God. But Amos recognizes this. He sees that there is a power in God that is far beyond anything else he could ever ask or imagine. There is a gl- and finally, that there is an all-satisfying glory in God. Amos' joy is not in having the people of Israel like him. Amos' joy is not in having the kings listen to him. They don't. It's not even in being able to say that he's a prophet because when we get an opportunity to see Amos speaking about himself, he says, I'm not a prophet, or I wasn't a son of a prophet. God made me a prophet. Amos finds his value in God. So when you face all of these, when he faces all of these things, when he faces this, uh, uh, this op, op, <laughs> opposition, the subjugation, this hatred from a, a very powerful man leading to another very powerful man, he honestly doesn't care. That's why he, jo- he goes right straight from, telling, from hearing the accusations that Amaziah has on him and then goes right straight into saying, Amaziah, hear what the Lord says. Because he cares more about God. He sees God as far more valuable. He understands that his value, his, his well, his value, his honor, his truth, his glory, his joy, his strength is all found in God, 
Not in the world, not in his job, not in the things around him, not whether people accept him, but because he is accepted by God, he can stand. He understands what Paul understood. Look at Romans chapter 11, verses 33 to 36. This is Paul in one of the many cases where Paul goes off on a tangent. By the way, if you want to make Paul go on a tangent, ask him to tell you about the glories of God. He'll do something like this. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has given him a gift that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. That's the God Amos knows. That's the God that Amos finds his value in. So the, the, the head priest of the kingdom of, uh, of, Judah, of Israel, sorry, comes and tells, uh, tells Amos, you're not acceptable. Amos says, I know the God of gods. I know the Lord of lords. I know the king of kings. You're just, a, you're just a priest. I know who God is. And I'm more interested in him. Therefore, because Amos knows God, and, Am- <laughs> and he, Amos will, f- and he knows that God will fulfill his role with his power that God gives, his identity is in God. He'll follow through with the things he needs to do. He'll understand who he is because his identity, his value, everything that he is, is found in God. Who is Amos? He's one called by God. And the important part isn't he's called by God specifically for prophecy. It's that he knows God. But what does that mean for us? I mean, my name's not Amos. If Amos wasn't a prophet nor the son of a prophet, I'm even worse. I'm not a Jew. I'm, uh, I've never been told to prophesy to people. I've not had the experience that Amos has had. How nice for Amos, though. It's great that Amos can have this kind of identity, this kind of understanding of who he is, this kind of knowledge of who God is and who God is in his life. Isn't that great for Amos? Some might say, and I might join you in this, you don't understand. I'm not like Amos. I'm anxious all the time. I don't ever feel smart or beautiful or competent. And I don't have the strength to keep convincing people that I I have it all together anymore. You don't understand, I'm not like Amos. It feels like nobody cares about me. My foot is always in my mouth. And my faith sucks. It's abysmally tiny. It's shaken by the smallest things. An atheist tells me one thing online and I'm in a tailspin. My friend asks me for the truth of the gospel and I have no idea what I'm doing. And if that's you, 
I know how you feel. I have that feeling myself sometimes. It's not, this is why my identity is not in my feelings. And you know what? I'm going to tell you a secret. And I apologize to those of you who I'm breaching a secret for. Most of the people around you feel, know how you feel too. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the vast majority of people in this room, the ones who aren't delusional, know, how's it, how, know how it feels to not know what you're doing some, some of the time. To think you're not competent enough some of the time. To think you don't, there's no way you'll ever be accepted or loved or whatever. We all know how that feels. But that's wrong. You want to know the truth? Whether you are in Christ or not today, I can tell you you were made in the image of God. No, 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 don't. Don't just paper that over. You were made in the image and likeness of God. You know what? Sometimes we aren't competent. Sometimes we don't do the right things. Sometimes we don't say the right things. I feel stupid all the time. I really do. Which is kind of strange because lots of people think I'm smart. But I, because of the way that God has made me up, I know all of the ways that I say dumb stuff. But God put me here. He doesn't make mistakes. Now let me get, go a little further. If you know God, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. Allow me to uh, make this from Bible and not from me. John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. He came to his own, this is Jesus, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And to be clear, this God that I'm talking about, the God who Amos knew, the God who knows all power, who calls people from darkness into light, he hasn't changed this is James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And, and just in case, he, it, this is said so perfectly. Referring to the Father of lights, God, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Amos' God is the God we are talking about today. The God we worshiped this morning is the God Amos know. He's the God that you know through Jesus Christ. And you know what? Yes, the rest of the world is going to say some horrible things to you. The rest of the world is in sin, and so they do that. But if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And that's he or she, just in case you want to be 
you know, inclusive about this. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. And do you know why that is? We'll continue to verses 18 to 21. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Put in anything you have there, any of your false understandings, any of your false identities, put that right there. That's not counted against you. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for, the, for our sake. He made him who knew to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So let me go back. I say I'm messed up. Nobody cares about me. And I'm going to go on a, out on a limb here and say, that's not true, even in this world. But even if it were true, even if everybody around you seemed to be opposed to you, if everybody doesn't understand you, I can tell you the one who does, God does. You say, I am not acceptable. I sin so often, I make so many mistakes. Brothers and sisters, you don't stand in your righteousness. Our identity is not found in the righteousness we have. It's found in the righteousness that Christ has. That's what it says there in 2 Corinthians verse 21. You say, well, Amos was called. I'm not called. Yeah, yeah, you are. In case you actually haven't come to saving faith in Jesus Christ yet, allow me to make the call clear. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Repent and believe in him and you will be saved. He's calling you now. You say, well, Amos had a call. He had, a, had something to do in his life. Yeah, so do you. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, or 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Again, this, this isn't my opinion. It's in black and white. It's in the word of God. This is God talking to you. You are prepared. You are his workmanship. You're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Some of us struggle with the fact that, you know, well, maybe we're not very valuable. God has prepared for you works that you are meant to do. All of you. People would like to say that the only person called in this congregation is probably, you know, me and Steve and, you know, maybe the mile one guys, you know, they're called of God to 
do pastoral work. Every last one of us is called. Our works will look different because of where we are, because of what we're doing, but you are called. And you're not called 10 years from now, you're called today. And just to, this is something I wish somebody had told me in junior high, because you know, I'm a, I was kind of dumb in junior high. I've gotten a little smarter. God is preparing you for works now, right now. He's preparing you for good works to do right now in the world that you are in. And you say to me, well, no, I, 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 maybe he's preparing me for something in the future, but maybe not now. He knows who you are. He knows the situation you're in. He knows the things you struggle with. He's always known those things. You haven't stopped him from loving you by those things. They're still true. You are beloved of God, brothers and sisters. You are prepared for good works, brothers and sisters. You stand in his righteousness. And even if the rest of the world doesn't accept us, God does. And his glory and majesty is far and above anything that the rest of the world can throw at us. And so, I know it feels bad sometimes. I know it doesn't feel good when the people that you, that you want to accept you don't. It doesn't feel good when, peop- when you look in the mirror and you see something that you wish you didn't see, like, you know, I wish I was in more shape. But my value isn't in my body. My value isn't in my ability to be confident. My value isn't in the ability, that, in the ability I have to be smart. And if, if I fell into dementia tomorrow, the Lord God will still care for me and use me because he knows what he's doing. So the one point of this sermon, only one, look to the example of Amos. Not because you are Amos. Not because Amos is the most awesome person ever, but because Amos shows us what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, friends, today, right now, put your faith in Jesus. Oh, friends, not in a kind of abstract way, but really, Trust that what he says about you is what is true about you. Trust that ultimately speaking, he is far more valuable than anything else we could ever ask for or imagine. Any acceptances we can feel, any safeties we can feel, he is better. Ground our identities in Christ. Anchor ourselves to Christ. Find our identities there. And let, our, let everything else stem from that. So then that's the question. 
as I wrap up today. Four minutes late, I apologize, sorry. Where is your identity this morning? When I ask the question, who are you? How are you answering? Might I recommend the answer we should have? The answer that's most valuable? I am in Jesus Christ. If you're not in Jesus Christ right now, if you don't know Jesus Christ, uh, well, come talk to me afterwards. But it doesn't take magic for you to turn to him. The word says, just repent and believe on his name. So do that. And all of these things, all of the true things that we say about Amos, all of the true things that you see in the gospel that's true of you, well, that will be true of you. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, I recognize that the feeling is coming right now that I usually have right after I preach. I have found all of the places where I've failed, actually probably not all of them, just most of them. Somebody else will probably point something out later. But I know, Lord, that you use things, that you prepared me for this day, that you prepared this thing for me to do. Lord God, I pray that I would have been an example to my brothers and sisters. I pray that my brothers and sisters see you and know you today. I pray that they would have trust in the value that you've placed in them, not in the trust in the value that you, that they have in themselves. Lord God, open eyes to your glory today. Open eyes to the value of people in you today. This we pray in Jesus' holy and precious name.